0: Standing in his own great hall at Ramoth, surrounded by men sworn to uphold him, Brian, king of Gwyneth, knew that the faintly queasy sensation in his gut came of no rational fear for his safety. Nonetheless, the sight of a foreign king standing between him and his throne, armed and crowned, could not but give one pause especially when that king was accompanied by another prince regarded as one of the most puissant warriors in all the eleven kingdoms. That the two men were his royal uncles only partially reassured, for bloody greed had been the downfall of many a young king come prematurely to his crown, with still much to learn of his craft as monarch and warrior, and Brian had been but fourteen at his coronation, hardly four years before. Nonetheless, all experience before and since that day, declared that Brian, King of Gwyneth, need harbor no such misgivings about these two men. For as long as he could remember, Prince Richard Haldane, younger half-brother of his late father, had been his teacher, his mentor, his most merciless critic, when Brian failed to do his very best. As for the goodwill of his other uncle, the one who wore a crown of his own, that likewise was beyond question. Ihlan, king of Howitcha and Hlaneth, was the beloved elder brother of Brian's mother, the dowager queen Resheldus, come especially to honor this milestone in his nephew's young reign. He stood now at Richard's left, peacock bright in the colors of Hawachah and Hlaneth, amid all that Haldane crimson. Both he and Richard were the sons of kings, of blood equally royal to Brian's own yet they had come to their feet at their nephew's approach, inclining their heads in respect. The man who had presented the royal candidate, and had fixed the golden spurs to his heels, was also of blood both ancient and royal. Ewan, Duke of Claiborne, was a direct descendant of the last Prince of Caldower to the north, and one of only four dukes in Gwyneth. Assisting him had been the scion of another great ducal family, Jared, Earl of Kearney, deputizing for his ailing father, the Duke of Cassan, Like the royal uncles, both of these men also wore noble coronets upon their brows, and all of them bore steel at their hips. By contrast, Brian, King of Gwyneth, wore no crown or other emblem of his royal estate, no rich raiment, or even any weapon. With his sable hair caught back severely in a warrior's knot, he had donned the robes traditional to any candidate for knighthood the unadorned inner robe of white, signifying the purity of his honor, partially covered by the stark black overtunic, symbolic of the grave to which all eventually must come. Over both lay the blood-red mantle, fittingly, in Brian's case, of Haldane Crimson. To such blood had he been born, blood which, even more than any mere knight, he must be willing to shed in defense of his realm, even unto death. At his coronation the new king had pledged his life to his kingdom, reckoned a man in law for the governing of his realm, and well enough prepared in mind, but all too aware that he wore still the body of a half-grown youth, with much yet to learn of the warrior he must become if he hoped to keep his crown. That he had kept it thus far was due in part to his royal uncle's, to the princely dukes flanking him, and to the loyalty and courage of the sandy-haired man standing close beside the throne, Sir Kenneth Morgan, Earl of Lendower, who bore the great state crown of leaves and crosses intertwined as if it were no more burden than its mere weight of gold and precious stones, though he had saved it, and Brian's life, on more than one occasion. And the tow-headed boy at Kenneth's side, who had proudly carried the golden spurs now affixed to the king's heels, and assisted in their fastening, was cut from the same cloth as his sire, quick and earnest, utterly devoted to Brian, and so much more than he appeared to be, for all that he was only seven years of age.